At the crack of dawn on Sunday, the women came to the tomb carrying the burial spices they had prepared. They found the entrance stone rolled back from the tomb, so they walked in. But once inside, they couldn't find the body of the Master Jesus. They were puzzled, wondering what to make of this. Then, out of nowhere, it seemed, two men, light cascading over them, stood there. The women were awestruck and bowed down in worship. The men said, Why are you looking for the living one in a cemetery? He is not here, but raised up. Remember how he told you, when you were still back in Galilee, that he had to be handed over to sinners, be killed on a cross, and in three days rise up. Then they remembered Jesus' words. They left the tomb and broke the news to all of all of this to the eleven and the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women kept with with them, kept telling these things to the apostles, but the apostles didn't believe a word of it. Um thought they were making it all up. But Peter jumped to the, his feet and ran to the tomb. They, he, stooped, he stooped to look in and saw a few gra- grave cloths. That's all. He walked away puzzled, shaking his head. That same day, two of them were walking to the village Emmaus, about seven miles out from Ju- Jerusalem. They were deep in conversation, going over all these things that had happened. In the middle of their talk and questions, Jesus came up and walked along with them, but they didn't. They were not able to recognize who he was. He asked, what is this that you are discussing so intently as you walk along? They just stood there, long-faced, like they had lost their best friend. Then one of them, his name was Cleopas, said, are you the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard what has been happening during these last few days? He said, what has happened? They said, the things that happened to to Jesus the Nazarene. He was a man of God, a prophet, dynamic in work and word, blessed by both God and all the people. Then our high priests and leaders betrayed him, got him sentenced to death and crucified him. And And we had our hopes up that he was the one, the one about to deliver Israel. And it is now the third day since it happened, but now some of our women have completely confused us. Early this morning, they were at the tomb and couldn't find his body. They came back with the story that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of our friends went off to the tomb to check and found it empty, just as the women said, but they didn't see Jesus. Then he said to them, So thick-headed, so slow-hearted, why can't you simply believe all that the prophets said? Don't you see that these things had to happen, that the Messiah had to suffer and only then enter into his glory? Then he started from the beginning with the books of Moses and went on through all the prophets, pointing out everything in the scriptures that referred to him. They came to the edge of the village where they were headed. He acted as if he were going on, but they pressed him. Stay and have supper with us. It's nearly the evening. The day is done. So he went with them. And here is what happened. He sat down at the table with them, taking, taking the bread. He blessed and broke and gave it to him. At that moment, open-eyed, wide-eyed, they recognised him, and then he disappeared. Brilliant. Thank you, Mia. So beautifully read. Thank you very much. Um, So I'm just going to pray for John before he um, preaches to us. Lord, I thank you for John. Again, I thank you for the willingness, Lord, and... um, yeah, just his heart to serve. We just pray uh, for us that we will be open to hear them. 
Thank you, Lord. Amen. Over to you, John. Thank you, and thank you, Mia. That was a, a long passage. I appreciate you uh, working all the way through that, so thanks for reading that. Well, like I said, such a blessing to be with you this morning. We, uh, we really miss OBC, and we think of you guys often. We keep in track or keep in touch with uh, a few people in the church, uh, and so we've been praying for you a lot. And we owe a lot to Alton Baptist Church, and we're so appreciative of all the encouragement and the support that you've shown our family. So the title of the sermon today is, That's Not What I Was Expecting. Sometimes life doesn't pan out the way we expect. I had just graduated uh, university and I was living in London. And one day this girl joined the team that I was serving on um, and I kind of liked her. I was, uh, and those feelings kind of grew over time as we became closer and closer friends. And so I was trying to pluck up the courage to ask this girl out. So young and full of emotions, I was, I was trying to figure out what I was gonna say. And one day this girl came to me and said, hey John, do you wanna grab a bite of, uh, to eat tomorrow, maybe for lunch, just the two of us? Well, guess my... I think we might have just lost John a second there. Um, bear with us. <laughs> Clearly that line, England to America. <laughs> Hang on a second. Just talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> um, Re-logging back in. So, mid-story, I'll try and continue where I, where I left off. So, um, I, I, so I was trying to pluck up the courage to ask this girl out. We met for lunch and just as we grabbed lunch and we were sitting down uh, to eat, this girl said to me, hey John, I kind of sense that you might like me. I just wanted to say, don't get your hopes up. It's never gonna happen. Ouch, gutted, right? So disappointed. So after a really awkward lunch, I left the cafe and slowly had to come to terms with the fact that this expectation that I had would simply never happen. I had hoped and dreamed of such a different outcome and never anticipated that a date would go this way. Now, I hope that's not just me who's, who's been through that kind of experience. Maybe it is, I don't know. And I wish that as we looked at missed expectations this morning, that all we had to deal with was a date that didn't go as we hoped. But if we were to dump out right now, all of the things, uh, all the disappointments that we're carrying, if we were to just pour that into our Zoom chat right now, we'd have a pretty heartbreaking list of things that didn't go as we thought. The parent who didn't see us for who we were. The adult who treated us in a way that children should never be treated. Singleness that has gone on far longer than we ever anticipated. The career that pays the bills but we suspect is slowly killing us from the inside out. The diagnosis that turned our lives upside down. In fact, as we started 2020, we had all sorts of hopes and dreams. Some of us at work probably said something like, this is gonna be the best year yet. And now you're unemployed and looking to make ends meet. Some were planning weddings, which turned out so different due to social distancing. Our kids, as I mentioned, just went back to school and many of the things they were hoping for 
simply won't happen. Maybe you had vacation plans that you've had to postpone or let go. If you are human, you have experienced disappointment. It's an experience that's common to us all. And the sad thing is, you're gonna experience it again. So you see, we're gonna bring the slide deck if we could right now. So you see, the problem is that we get our expectations and they're all the way up here. And sometimes our experience is all the way down here. And there's this big gap between the two. And when there's a big gap between our expectations and our experience, we tend to fill the gap with some unhealthy things. And we're gonna look at a few of those, just four of those this morning, just briefly. The first thing we can fill this gap with is anger. We don't like our situation and we let people know about it. This comes out in our tone. Our patience is thin. We complain constantly. We lash out and even hurt those who are closest to us. The second thing we can fill this gap with is manipulation. I'm not happy with the situation at work, so I'm gonna fill the gap with energy and effort and I'm gonna control those around me to try and make sure that it works out the way that I thought it should work out. Unfortunately, we can do the same thing in our marriage relationships and with our kids. The third thing that we can fill the gap with is speculation. When we don't have good information that explains why things didn't turn out the way we thought they should, we fill the gap with a version of truth that fits our view of the world. They were out to get me, I'm sure. This is where conspiracy theories are born. The fourth thing that we can fill this gap with is distraction. For some of us, we've been let down so many times that we simply stop expecting. Sometimes we deal with the pain in our lives by saying, I'm just not gonna care anymore. I'm just gonna cope with the day in front of me. We fill the gap with one more purchase online, one more game on my phone, one more Netflix show, one more swipe of the app I said I'd never download again. Many of us are experiencing an unprecedented level of distraction right now because this year didn't go as we expect. If any of this re resonates with you right now, I have some good news for you. You're not alone. This is just simply part of the human condition, something we all feel. And the really good news is you don't have to fill the gap with these unhealthy habits. You can fill the gap with God. In fact, I would say that we most closely experience God's presence when he meets us in the gap between our experience and our expectations. Would you believe it that the people closest to Jesus, his own disciples and followers, would get exactly how you feel right now? In fact, Jesus was the greatest source of their disappointment in their lives. So before we get to the passage itself, it might be helpful just to get into the mindset of the disciples. Easter Sunday morning, and Jesus had never been a greater disappointment to the people who knew him best. This was the one that they were counting on to be the king of Israel, to overthrow the Romans, to bring about a revolution and restore peace back to Israel. But instead, he had been hauled off under cover of darkness, 
put into jail. He never even put up a fight about it. And he was basically railroaded into an execution in less than 24 hours. What had started um, as a victory parade on Palm Sunday had ended in a bloody mangled corpse less than a week later. They had put their hopes, all they had in him, the promised Messiah, the one sent from God, and he was soundly defeated. They were feeling the gap between experience and expectations, and each of them dealing with it in their own way. And they were filling the gap with some of these unhealthy things. So we're going to pick up the story. Um, just as the disciples are reeling in disappointment, trying to process what has just happened or not happened. So in verse 13, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Now, this is just bizarre. This is just one of those things that you got to go, wait, that's weird. What on earth is going on here? You see, they're, they're mid-conversation. And from the words in the original language, they weren't just chit-chatting. They were in a heated, passionate debate. And Jesus steps right into the middle of their argument as they're talking about him. Have you ever had that happen, that you walk up to someone who's mid-conversation and their back is to you, and you suddenly discover that they're actually talking about you. It's awkward, right? Well, this is what happens to Jesus. And for some reason, they're kept from seeing who they are. And it's not entirely clear why uh, they are kept from seeing or how they are kept from seeing who he is. But I think one of the reasons is disappointment keeps us from seeing clearly. The nature of disappointment is that it keeps us from seeing things as they are, as they are, because we're looking for a version of reality that doesn't exist. That's not what I was expecting. That's not what I'm looking for. When will things go back to normal? Have you asked that in this COVID season? Disappointment keeps us looking back to what should have been, rather than being aware of what actually is happening in front of us. Sometimes we're so certain that God is going to say one thing that we don't recognize his voice. This is really easy to do with God, by the way. Um, I don't know if you've ever thought of God this way, but I think he's perhaps been the target of most abuse in human history. Because when things don't go as we expect, we tend to get a little angry with him. You can sense the disciples' anger and frustration here. These are raw emotions. These are legitimate feelings. They're mourning the loss of what should have been. So if you're, uh, so, but, but I want you to notice here that God meets them right there in the gap between expectation and experience. We may not recognize his voice or the form he's taken, but he's there. He's walking with us. And often we're so caught up in our disappointment that we fail to see him. So if you're feeling disappointment or anger, if you're filling your life with distraction or trying to manipulate your environment, be encouraged that you're not alone. We're all right there with you. 
And I want to encourage you this morning not to do this alone. It's usually impossible to pull yourself out of this place. You need some help along the way. So take a cue from these guys and reach out to people you trust and share your disappointments and mis-experiences with them. Chantal and I have joined a home group for exactly this reason, so that we can walk through life with close friends and share this weighty stuff. And if you can't think of anyone to share it with, then reach out to the church. This is what Alton Baptist is all about. We would love to listen and pray and just be there so you don't have to go through this alone. You can even just type in the chat to Alton Baptist Church, um, send a private message and say, hey, I'd love to meet up and talk about this. Um, so that might be something you want to do this morning. Well, the story continues, verse 17. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place these days? He asked them, what things? I love Jesus's sense of humor here. He knows full well what they're talking about. But notice here that he starts with a question. He doesn't tell them how they should feel. He doesn't berate them for feeling the way they feel. He engages them. He enters their situation. He feels their pain. He walks with them. But notice this, they stood still looking sad. Doesn't that nail disappointment to a T? For many of us, we're stuck here, standing still, looking sad, unable to move on. It wasn't meant to be this way. He was still supposed to be here. It wasn't meant to be this hard. The power of disappointment is the power to keep you in the past, demanding what should have been. And I think Jesus knows this, that we have this propensity to get stuck in the past in our disappointment. They may have been walking on a journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus, but really they were stuck, standing still, looking sad. They really couldn't move on. And so Jesus keeps asking questions to draw them out. And they proceed to tell Jesus all about Jesus. And in the process, he's drawing hope out of them. You see, they had all the answers. The women had seen the resurrected Jesus. He had been prophesied in the Old Testament. He had taught about these things. And so he asks questions that give them the answers that explain their situation. And in the process, he's drawing hope out of them. But the other cool thing that's going on here is that they're praying but they didn't realize it. You see, praying is simply talking to God. And even though they didn't know it was God, they were talking honestly and openly with him about how they were feeling, their frustrations and disappointments. So in the midst of your disappointment, talk honestly with God. You may not even be sure he's there. These guys didn't have a clue, but just talk to him honestly about how you're feeling and what you're thinking. If you don't deal with your disappointments, if you don't lay them before God, you'll get stuck in the gap with those and start filling it with those destructive things. And some of you may be there right now. So tell God how you are feeling and lay it at his feet. The disciples did this. They said to Jesus, 
but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things had had, had took place. They had gone and gotten their hopes up, and now they had lost all hope. The irony here is almost too much to handle. The one that Cleopas was hoping for was the one he was actually talking to post-resurrection, right there in front of him. He was everything that Cleopas had hoped for and so much more, but it just didn't look like he was expecting. His hopes had gone and taken on the form of an expectation. And in the end, our expectations threatened to trap us in the expectation gap. You see, our hopes, especially our hopes of what God will do, often take the form of an equation that reads something like this. Since God loves me, he will do blank. He will spare me from pain, stop this abuse, give me this raise. And many times what we fill the blank with is not a bad thing. I'm not saying that. Uh, It's often a good thing that we're trying to fill the gap with. But hope, a deep-seated trust that he will do what is good, gets replaced with this narrow expectation of what we hope he will do. And this is where we get trapped because this equation reads two ways. If God loves me, he will do blank. Then the reverse must be true. Since he didn't do this, he doesn't love me. He doesn't care about me. We hold ourselves hostage to our own expectations. So how do you get unstuck from that place? And unfortunately, there's only one answer. We must surrender and stop holding ourselves hostage to our expectations. This is easy to say, but much harder to do. I grew up in North Wales and my mum is a very avid gardener. She's the kind of horticultural fanatic that knows the Latin names for every plant that you could ever encounter. In her garden, she has all kinds of beautiful plants, including a meadow filled with daffodils and snowdrops and tulips. Well, this weekend, Chantal and I have just been planning out how we might plant some flowers and shrubs in our garden here in Orlando. And as hard as we might try, we are never going to have a garden that looks like my mum's garden. You see, daffodils and snowdrops and tulips won't grow here. Now, there are all kinds of amazing exotic plants that do grow in this tropical climate. But I have to surrender my narrow expectation of what a garden should look like with a much bigger picture, a much bigger vision of what a garden could look like. In order to embrace the future that God has for me, I need to let go of my narrow expectations and uh, of what I think the future should look like. So the story of the resurrection tells us that God is often right there with us in the midst of our disappointments and our pain. Perhaps we don't recognize him, but he's trying to help us move forward. But before we can move forward, we must leave something behind. I think Jesus is trying to help us today to realize that our disappointments are always meant to be viewed against the backdrop of his resurrection. There is no loss, no tragedy, no sorrow, no disappointment that is greater than the defeat of death. All of these things rank less than the accomplishment of the cross. 
The resurrection of Jesus is the good news we need in our disappointment. The resurrection is a message of hope, and hope is well-placed in Jesus. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, he will not allow loss or sorrow or grief or disappointment to permanently color our story. The resurrection tells us that there is always a reason to hope. So how do we get there? How does the good news of the resurrection become your good news in the midst of your disappointment? Well, let's keep reading. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11 and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord is risen indeed. Isn't it a great and wonderful moment when hope enters back into your life after a long absence? This is what happened. They were so excited. They had to make a seven mile journey just to head back to Jerusalem to tell someone about it. This is what it feels like when your heart starts beating again and hope is restored. But don't miss this in verse 31. Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us? In the midst of your disappointment, when you can't see God and you're blinded to him, when you're stuck and you can't, can't hope, follow the burning heart to Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about acid reflux, okay? The burning heart. When Jesus speaks to you, whether it's through his word or a friend, or maybe just quietly in your mind, it has a, a different ring, a different impact, a different power than anyone else's voice. Even if you've never heard it before, there is a voice that is speaking to you, that speaks to us in our situations. Keep listening for it. Jesus, the resurrected one, brings the deepest part of our heart to life. True lasting hope for all our disappointments. Now, that story at the beginning about the girl, after this girl said to me, don't get your hopes up, it will never happen. I was naturally gutted. And after filling the gap with all of those self-destructive habits, I had to surrender my expectations and open up to the understanding that God had a different future for me. Now, this story has a twist. A few months later, this same girl came to me and said, you remember that conversation we had back at Pret-a-Manger? Can I change my mind? Well, as it happens, I was driving up the N6 at the time and after narrowly escaping a horrific traffic accident, I pulled over and once again, my life took another major change of direction. We've now been married for 19 years. We have three beautiful girls together and we've been on quite an adventure. She became so much more than I ever expected. Now in this example, things have took, worked out fantastic, but this doesn't always happen. We don't always get what we want. Sometimes that pain will last with us until we're with Jesus in the next life. We experience pain and loss and things don't always work out as we like. The journey can be hard, really, really hard. 
but there is always hope. In the resurrection, there is always hope. Take some time this week to ask yourself, is my experience not living up to my expectation? Am I filling the gap with anger, manipulation, speculation, and distraction? Talk to God about your disappointments and share how you are feeling. Reach out to someone you trust and just talk it through. Listen to the voice that burns and leads you to Jesus. Surrender your narrow expectations and open your heart up to everything that God has for you. No matter how dark things seem, he is there, he is with you, he loves you, and he's for you.